Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. Today, I am joined by my special friend and colleague, Linda Buxa, who has just written a brand new book, How to Fight Anxiety with Joy. So welcome, Linda. Thanks, Amber. Good to be here again. I always love chatting with you. Oh, thank you. I love chatting with you too. And we are airing this right after New Year's. So, uh, but people may or may not care to know that we are actually recording it right before Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Yeah. And if you you didn't, my book is for you. And I was going to say, I don't think I'm, I'm absolutely sure that you don't have any anxiety in your life right now, just a few days before Christmas with all that's on your schedule. (laughs) I don't. Um, so I don't know. My gifts are all bought. Mm -hmm. Uh, my kids are all coming home. I've got two thirds of them home now. And the other one comes in just a few days. And I am not stressed this Christmas. My daughter and I even went to a concert last night and I stayed up way past my bedtime and it didn't stress me out. Like we are all good. Maybe it's that I'm taking the advice from my book. And, or I also think there's something about kids coming home. Uh, Last week I had one daughter come home from Guatemala and one move home from college and it's just so fun to have them back in the house that even if stuff isn't done, it's just fun to hang out and be together and kind of puts things in perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So your book um, talks about, it opens with the idea that just mental health right now is a bigger issue than drug and alcohol abuse and that 49% of the general public is either struggling with anxiety, depression, or some sort of abuse issue, um, chemical, alcohol, drug abuse, or whatever. And those stats are fairly alarming. You had other stats too, but I'm not going to rattle them off because you even said in your book, like, I'm not going to go on. <laughs> like, right. You get the idea. Were you surprised when you started researching for this book? Uh, no. <laughs> um, partly because mental health is one of my personal soapboxes. Mm-hmm. And so I was thrilled when Time of Grace gave me a platform more than just my Facebook posts or my family to uh, raise awareness of this. Like it, it has been an issue for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 made it even worse. And so while it's not surprising to me, it's it's frustrating to me that that more don't know. Like, but every I don't know. It's weird. Everybody knows, but it's a weird thing of like we just try to paste over it. You know, yeah. we try to cover over our anxiety and our struggles and our stress with shopping or food or scrolling or sex or whatever we're doing. And we're not really talking about what can make a difference. Mm -hmm. So you 
decide to approach this from the perspective of joy, how to fight anxiety with joy. Why did you choose to go that route? Part of it is that joy comes easy to me. <laughs> so um, it, it's a it's a topic I love talking about. But really, it's so often we think we have only one emotion. We either have anxiety or we are in a good mood, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at so many of the people in the Bible, it is both and. Yeah. It is, I may be struggling and yet I will praise you. Mm -hmm. And if a mark of a Christian is joy, then we have joy even while we struggle in this world. That's awesome. That's beautiful. So you um, decide to set this up in terms of the nuts and bolts of the book, very much like visible faith in terms of bite-sized pieces. Like every day there's just day one and then there's day two and then there's day three. Um, the first day each, so it's a four week book. Mm -hmm. It's set up for a sure. month and the first day of each week deals with identity. Why is that the first thing that you wanted to address each week? I think that too often people label themselves with everything except for how God has labeled them. Mm. Like if God is your creator, if he has knit you together in your mother's womb, if you are his, he is the only one who gets to define you. Mm. And I think we forget that. Yeah. We are defined by, uh, we, we think we're defined by what the world says about us. And I think it is super important every day, but I couldn't do it every day. So every, at the beginning of every week in this book to recalibrate and to go back to mm -hmm. who am I because of who God says I am. And you constantly go back to that. And once you have that framework, everything else changes on how you view yourself. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And you're right. Even in terms of anxiety, you know, so often as people ask how you're doing or whatever, well, I'm so overwhelmed or I'm so, wait a second, you're, right. you're defining yourself by what you're feeling right now. I right. am instead of, well, I'm a child of God. And exactly. I'm a little, I'm feeling a little, overwhelmed, Correct. but you know what? I'm going to get through it or whatever. Right. So exactly. Great point. Okay. So day two is always going to be encouragement from Paul and his letter to the Philippians. So talk about that. As I looked up Paul, when you realize what he went through, and I list a few of them in the book, but I found a site that listed every beating, yeah. whipping, mocking, jailing, stoning, all these things. And he writes this book where he is rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. I think he uses rejoice or joy or some variation of that, like 17 times in one letter. Mm -hmm. So if there is a man who physically worn down, beat up. He is writing this book from jail. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure some he has lost credibility with some people because they think that jailing is something to be shamed 
for. So if you are feeling shame, if you are physically worn down, if you have the stress of friends abandoning you, Paul relates. And through it all, Paul is like, and here's joy. We have, we have Jesus. Here's joy. You know, it's both. Yeah. No, he's an excellent example. And you're reminding me, I turned in a manuscript for a book right before, just a week ago, right before I got your manuscript for this book. And I was shocked at how many times you and I said the same thing. And this is one of them. Great. Man. I actually did the exact same thing where I was like, I'm going to tell you what Paul said, but before I do that, I want to give him a little cred, you know, like mm -hmm. a little street cred. So this is what he's been through and this is what he says. And anytime that that happens when I, I'm reading your manuscript and there are so many places, even when you said hurt people don't have to hurt people, hurt people can help people. I was like, I just said the same thing. <laughs> I just just stopped at hurt people don't have to hurt people. But I didn't say you can help people. But I was like, anytime I read that or see that or hear that, I'm like, the Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention. The yeah. Christian community, clearly God is telling us this is something we need to know. Mm -hmm. If it's just keeps coming up and up and up. Yeah. So I love that you used uh, Paul's letters, letter from the to mm -hmm. the Philippians because you're absolutely right. It's so full of joy and look at where he's been and how he's still able to use it. Um, day four, you take us into the Psalms to lament, which is a, is a total turn because all of a sudden you're like, and now we're going to lament, <laughs> which I love because it's a form of prayer that most people don't talk about very often. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, you do the acts or whatever, you know, where you talk about adoration, confession, blah, 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 blah. And um, lament isn't in there. I was listening to someone teach the catechism classes once and they had taught all that. And after their class was dismissed, I'm like, you didn't talk about the lament. And they're like, that's because these are seventh and eighth graders. If I talked to them <laughs> about the lament, I would never hear the end of it, Amber. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's all they would do. So yeah. what do we learn from the laments in the Bible? And why is this something that we should, you know, care about? One of my favorite songs is by a group called Shane and Shane. And Though You Slay it's Me. Called Though You Slay Me. <laughs> yes. And I won't sing it now, but that refrain, Though You Slay Me, Yet I Will worship though you ruin me i will bless your name you know it it's so powerful like mm -hmm. though you do this i will still worship the psalms are full of that and it's raw and it's real and i think for the friends of mine who unexpectedly lose their spouse in a tragic accident you know they feel like God has slayed them. Like they don't, they don't know where they're going to go next. What's the next step? You know, the mm -hmm. people who are struggling with the loss of a child from overdose, you know, how do you go on? Right. You are sitting there in a pit of despair and the Psalms are full of that. Like you can't come to somebody and be like, well, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. When somebody is 
devastated. You know, mm-hmm. there's that, there's a proverb and I'm not going to quote it correctly, but it's basically like, it is not a blessing to say good morning loudly. You know, to somebody <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's yeah. something like if you go out at the crack of dawn yelling good morning, your neighbors will curse you or something like yes. that. It's like, and that to me is what a lot of times Christians do to each other when you are mm. in despair, because we know that we have the joy of Jesus, but there is a time to mourn and yeah. there is a time to weep. And lamentations give us the permission to mourn and the permission to pour out our hearts to God. And one of the things I say when it comes to prayer is like, God already knows. So just tell him, you know, tell him that you are devastated. Tell him that you are anxious. Tell him that you can't get out of bed today. And yet you are my God. Mm -hmm. And yet you rejoice over me and you just say the truth is because otherwise you're lying to yourself if you don't occasionally take the time to lament. It's beautiful, Linda. Absolutely true and beautiful. And day seven, you point us to eternity. This is such an important practice to develop. How does an eternal perspective help me to get through my anxiety and my anxious thoughts today? You know, Pastor Mike, he's talked about this before, where one time he draped like that rope across his church. And, you know, there's this little inch. Mm-hmm. And this is our life. And yeah. this whole thing that stretches across is eternity. Right. And so while I love talking about heaven, because I always think, who's going to live next door? Are you living next door to me? Amber? <laughs> I like, don't know. I hope so. Be great. Um, but I love thinking about eternity, but in view of our time right now, I think sometimes we forget that we are already alive. Like we don't have to wait for all these good things from God. We have this full life now and death is just this momentary thing that happens to our bodies and we continue on and we are with the Lord. Like whatever your stresses are, whatever your struggles are, like it is forever guaranteed. You are always abiding in God's love. And I think, man, if you can remember that, yes, however light and momentary our troubles are, and even though they feel heavy now, the Bible does say they are light and they are momentary. Mm-hmm. And you will, um, this just came to me. <laughs> But I remember we had a, um, when my husband was in the Coast Guard, the air station we were at, a Marine Corps helicopter collided with one of our C-130s and everyone died. And I remember during the memorial, the, one of the people who spoke at the service said, you won't get over it, but you will get through it. Mm -hmm. And knowing that there is eternity helps you get through whatever you're going through now. Right. If you have no hope, you know, there's the other passage. Do not grieve like those who don't have hope. When you grieve, if you have a view of eternity, you have hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. So beautiful. Um, 
You talked about shallow joy and you talked about when you were younger, you used to be more of that person who were like, Hey, rejoice in the Lord always. Like, why do you have a frown? Turn it upside down, you know? Yeah. And I really appreciated that because I think as you're older, um, it is easier to see that there is a time and a place and what have yeah. you, but explain your thoughts on that. So I have friends who kind of accuse me of having rose colored glasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's how I felt like I used to use rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, probably to the effect of being a curse, yeah. um, you know, where I would throw that out there, like, don't admit the bad. Um, you'll be fine because we're just supposed to rejoice. And the older I get and I'm getting older, um, the more it's it's a rootedness in joy. It is a whatever comes, you know, the Bible talks about if you have your house built on a strong foundation, the winds come, the waves come, you know, and that's what joy is. Joy is your foundation. It's the rootedness in whatever happens around me. I am rooted to the Lord. Yep. And I think it is, there's a difference between joy and uh, not, I mean, joy is something we can all have, but at different seasons, like you said, those people who are burying a spouse or a child or walking through cancer with their child, it's not that they don't have joy. Like you said, you can experience two emotions at once. You can also have the joy of the Lord, but it's also not something that we need to, you know, shove down our fellow Christians throats. Like, you need to be more joyful. (laughs) You know, we, that's not very empathetic always either. So, yep. All right. You talked about explain or speaking God's truth to yourself Mm -hmm. when things aren't going well. And this has been a huge thing for me. I used to be a huge worrier. I never really called it anxious or being anxious or dealing with anxiety, but you know, Mm -hmm. and mostly it was, it revolved around my children you know, what they were doing and where they were going and who they were with or whatever, you know, when they start driving away or flying away or whatever. And I have started saying out loud, God, you are faithful. You love my children. Like, keep them tight, hold them close. You know, that's, I have to say it out loud. So why is this so helpful when you're gripped with anxious thoughts to actually speak out loud? Mm -hmm. It, to me, fulfills the passage, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Um, I've written about it a couple of times where if you've seen the Harry Potter series, there's that creature with a K who like crawls around one of the houses and he's just up to no good. Hmm. And I feel like those are the thoughts that are running around our heads sometimes. Like just because we think it, doesn't mean it's true. And so we have to stop ourselves and like take those thoughts and lock them up and be like, what does God say? Mm -hmm. And it is a struggle because I like to stew. I I mean, (laughs) trust me, I can, I can get in my own head. Um, but it's just so powerful when you can stop yourself and say, wait, is this true? Is it, you know, praiseworthy? Is it what God says is accurate? Mm 
And, and I don't think we do that enough. We just believe that whatever we think is truth Mm -hmm. and it's not. Well, look at what soul, uh, David did in the Psalms, Mm -hmm. you know, soul, (laughs) like (laughs) do not be downcast. Oh, my soul, you know, like, um, yeah. So I, I, I found that very effective to just out loud, start speaking the promises of God. And I was with a, a family last week who was really going through something. And the wife said on her way to work, um, she struggles to pray sometimes because of the depth mm-hmm. of what they're going through. And she'll yeah. just start singing, Jesus loved me. Like that's something she knows. And she remembers like that, you know, just Jesus loves me, even in the depths, you know, like Jesus loves me, this I know, just to remind herself, like, nope, I'm not alone in this. God's in this with me. So, you know, it made me, it made me laugh when you were like worrying about your kids and flying and stuff. (laughs) And uh, this past summer, my daughter was out in California and Mm -hmm. she did a bunch of solo hiking. And so I did a lot of panic praying. uh, What's a new form of praying? That's the P in Axpa. Yes, (laughs) Axpa. Which you should should really panic when you pray. Um, (laughs) You should really like let your heart race, you know. Um, And and I found myself one day going, "Please be with her. Please be with her. Please be with her. Please be with her." Because she is hiking in these places where there are not other people. I mean, sometimes there were, right? Mm-hmm. But um, national parks, lots of people, she'll be fine. But these solo hikes, sometimes she'd be gone six hours. And, you know, so mama is stressed out about it for six hours. And then one day I was like, please be with her. Please be with her. Please be with her. And I went, you are with her. Yeah. And I was like, duh. <laughs> But I was up in heaven, like, okay, who's going to remind Linda that she's, that I'm with her? Like, can someone please, is there an angel around here? Like, Holy Spirit put a thought in her her mind. Yes, the Holy Spirit was like, I have been trying to tell you this for a while now. (laughs) And then it changed everything. Yeah. She would go out. And then I, then I felt foolish because I had been really looking forward to us going out. Um, we were going to go visit her and I was like, well, at least we'll be with her. And then I was like, me being with her is not any better than God being with her. Like (laughs) God, you're with her. You, and, and then it was God, you have good plans for her. And what an amazing opportunity she has to be out in a different part of the country and exploring your creation right. and knowing that he was with her and surrounding her. It, right. what a difference. That's huge. And I think you spoke to something. I mean, what we were just saying about moms, every mother mm-hmm. at one point or another, I think struggles with this to some degree in terms yeah. of whether it's the first time you move your first child off to college and they're no longer under your roof, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm are they sleeping? Are they eating? Are they like all the things and you want to mother hen them and they're, you know, they're on a campus and there is a meal plan and Mm -hmm. yeah, they're probably staying up way later than they should, but they'll figure it out. Like week three, they'll get it under control. We just have to like, you know, back off a little. Yeah. So yeah, it's something we all struggle with. Um, another super important, uh, 
thing that I gleaned from your book is that, you know, God doesn't always change the hard situations, which this is a hard thing for us to even talk about. The fact that we, we so badly want resolution for so Mm -hmm. many things in our life, you know, whatever it is, the addict that you've been praying for, for five years, or even like you said, that pain that isn't going away. Well, it's the loss of your spouse or, or a child or what, why God just take this pain away. I don't want to endure this anymore. And you Mm -hmm. said, sometimes God doesn't change the hard things, but he changes us. Why does Mm -hmm. that matter? You're right. We often want a resolution. We want it tied up in a neat little bow. And and I think sometimes, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Just because the Bible talks about some people who were miraculously healed, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a description of what happened. It's not a prescription of how God has to act. Yeah. And and I think part of that is we we want eternity, right? Like we are yearning for when all is made new and when all is made right. And because we know that that's there for us in heaven or eternity, sometimes we think that it has to happen here Mm -hmm. and it doesn't. Um, Some families never get back together. Sometimes there's no reconciliation. Sometimes there's no answer for why you lost that job unfairly. Um, There's no answer for why are you someone whose struggles don't seem to be getting better? Like Mm -hmm. not everybody magically wakes up and their anxiety has gone. This might be something that your personality, it might be your cross to bear. Mm Mm-hmm. And not that your personality is across to bear, but this this quirk of you just have have whatever it is, this predisposition to anxiety, and it's your cross to bear. And and it's hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish that wasn't your story. I I wish it wasn't a, you know, the people who wrestle with suicidal thoughts, the people who can't seem to get out of bed mm-hmm. each day you know, you are still a child of God and yet it might not get better fully in this world. Yeah. Yep. And yet God can work through us in miraculous Mm -hmm. ways, even as we struggle through. And God Um, can use it. Yeah. And we can glorify him. Right. Like hurt people, help people. Right. Exactly. So one of the things that I loved because I have become more of a health conscious person in the last several years, but you had tons. I mean, it was so funny because I was, I was reading this and, you know, I got the ebook and I'm going through it and I thought I had like 10 more pages and I was like, oh no, those are all the notes. Those are all the references <laughs> to all the things. Cause you backed all this up. I, I need to explain what I'm talking about, but you have tons and tons and tons and tons of physical tips. Yes. Well, you must have 30 because you have like yep. 30 days or 31, whatever. Um, yep. So you have physical tips at the end of each chapter, like, hey, and here is a tip that you might want to work on your sleep or you should take a cold shower or, you know, have you recognized that if you actually walking in some cases does more for anxiety than medication and here's the study to prove it or whatever. And so 
Uh, yeah. So talk about that. I, I'm, I'm a little nervous to ask you to talk about <laughs> that because this could last for another three hours. I was going to say, how much time do you have? <laughs> that, that is one of the reasons I was so excited to say yes to this project. Because when they first reached out to me and asked me to write this book, they're like, I know that mental health is one of your passionate soapboxes. And I said, yep, but I want to include natural stuff. Yep. And because I believe that, like we said with identity, God has created our bodies. And if he has knit you together, the world he has created is here to support you. Mm -hmm. And the way he has created your body to work, if it is not working right, then that affects your physical health affects your mental and your emotional and your spiritual health and your spiritual health can affect the rest. Like you are not silos of individual things. You are a whole complete person. Mm -hmm. And so just by taking care of your body, you can do so much for your emotional health. Mm -hmm. I have, I mean, my Facebook friends will know that I am often opinionated <laughs> about this topic. So I had years of Facebook posts that I had done that I could glean from and put together. And I love that you said cold shower because I took one this morning and everybody thinks I'm crazy, but the research has shown how much better you feel and then it even gets into like brown fat and your health and your metabolism and blah, blah, blah. I know, blah. Linda, you know what I'm doing? I'm combining two of your Facebook posts because you mm -hmm. also talk about how important the sauna is. Yes. So I'm doing the shower, but I'm taking the heat for my hot shower and figuring it's so important for my body. That and so fair. I'm taking the shower part from the cold shower and then I'm using the heat from the sauna part. So I'm not sure yes. if I get quite the same benefit, but well, I am there listening. actually is, I will give, I will give you credit that a warm bath, a hot shower before bed can actually help you sleep. Mm. And sleep is such a huge thing when it comes to mental yeah. health. It really is. Um, there are so many things like, there's studies showing that, what is it? At least half the population is deficient in magnesium and yeah. magnesium is considered a, an essential thing to help you sleep. Mm -hmm. And so if you can simply take magnesium and all of a sudden you're sleeping better, which means you can think more clearly. I mean, I, re I remember being sleep deprived as a new mom yeah, and like two weeks after our oldest was born, all of a sudden I looked at our dog and I looked at my husband and I went, has he been fed? <laughs> like, and, awesome. or, and I would feel my toothbrush and I was like, well, it's wet. So I must've brushed my teeth. Yeah. And that was just for a newborn moment in right. time for people who are chronically sleep deprived, what right. that does to your mental health is huge um since we admit that it's almost christmas and this is coming out in the new year it is dark where i live and i mean it's not as dark as when i lived in alaska but um vitamin d we don't get it 
from the sun in the winter just by taking vitamin D, the things it can do for your physical health, which means you feel better, which means you can function better. Like there are so many little things and I have included them in this book of breathing, you know, just being aware of our breath and what that does to just go all these things. And, and because I believe God has created us, I believe he has given us these things that he has made us to breathe, you know? Right. And so by breathing, he's like, here's a way you can help yourself feel better. And I just mm-hmm. think they're gifts from him. And I think it's so exciting when all those links I included that are the scientific studies, I put them there because there are some people are skeptics. I mean, I don't know, maybe people who don't believe that cold showers work. (laughs) Okay. I have another question about that and then we'll move on. So when you say cold shower, like I've tried it, like, is it okay if you just put your leg in? Like, is that enough? Or do you have to like immerse? Like how much of your body needs to be cold for it to be considered a shower, a cold shower? Okay. Because I know like you do the whole tank and all that. Like you've sat in like the... You well, have I've asked for a cold tub for Christmas. So no, no, and- I can't do that, Linda. I live in Minnesota. Like I'm cold half the year. Well, just Why go outside to- then. Put okay, so hat. that's enough? Just get cold. But you have to get cold longer if you're outside. Like it takes longer. Like something about the cold water is what really does it. You only have to accumulate 11 minutes a week. And the other thing is once you get in and, and don't be like, oh, I'll take a 40 degree cold shower today. Like we have well water, so it stays nice and cold. Um, but just start off lukewarm, right? Like, <laughs> okay. In what? April? And then, <laughs> and then you gradually you turn it down. Like I used to come out of the shower with like red skin because yes. it was so hot. Nice. It's so nice. <laughs> In the winter. And then you just gradually turn it down. But yes, the mm, it can't be just your leg. Okay. Although there are studies fascinating enough that talk about getting your hands cold. Um, oh. People who, I think they were doing, a, they studied like fishermen in New England or something like that, where they were, their hands were constantly in cold water and they found mm. that the mood boosting benefits were, or the brown fat benefits were as good for them as if they had immersed, something like that. Um, and so I think your hands would probably be better than your legs. Okay. I'll just start doing my dishes in cold water. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Were there any surprises? when you were writing this book that kind of took you off guard things that where your mind shifted or I know that you've been dealing, I mean, you've, you've talked about this for many, many years. So I don't know if there's surprises to be had. Uh, not so many surprises to be had, but, um, disappointments in how much I didn't get to share. Mm. Oh, well then there has to be a part two. (laughs) Yes. Easy enough. Say no more. As I was talking to Mandy and I submitted the book, Mandy's the editor, by the way. Yeah. Um, Make sure that whatever I say sounds right, you know, (laughs) covers up over all my errors. Um, I said, I have never 
left more out than I have put in. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't want is, right, like Time of Grace has put out so much good material on this topic. I mean, yeah. Pastor Mike has When Life Hurts. And then um, Dr. Longren had her book, which was amazing. Yeah, and Spiritual and Emotional you, Wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you had talked about soul care, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's so many things out there. And I kind of wanted this one to be a little different where it it's one where I think everybody's in a different spot. Like my panic prayers over my daughter hiking is not daily anxiety on functioning. Yeah. Right. And and I knew that I couldn't address everything for everybody. Absolutely. And I couldn't write about it all because I didn't want to sound like the other books. And mm-hmm. and so I think that was actually the hard part for me was what I didn't say. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I was I sent an email to Mandy uh, because I was laughing so hard. First of all, your eye was twitching because you had a deadline. I'm like, oh. this eye. Having just finished my having just finished my manuscript, I'm like, Mandy, please tell me you were like laughing hysterically as you were reading this, and then you put in there like you were six days past the deadline when you were still writing this. Is that true? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. True. How late did you turn it in? I think I was only like seven. You're hilarious. Maybe 10 days late. It wasn't that bad. Well, and I mean, and it wasn't that bad, right? Like dig in. I actually think it's, it's back here. I'm in my daughter's room and this is her cute little bookshelf. Yeah. Um, Dig in's up there. That one was a month late. So. Oh my word. Yeah, I uh, as I was reading this, and you, I mean, you're putting it. You're like my my eye is twitching because this was due six days ago, and the deadline, and blah blah. blah. I'm like, I was literally laughing out loud. And anyway. This eye, it's the weirdest thing. Whenever I'm under stress, I will know because this eye just goes, it like spasms, and I'm like, huh, you're a little stressed out, aren't you? <laughs> I just have to tell Mandy from now on, just give her a deadline that's ten days early. Like whenever you want it, just give her the deadline 10 days early. That's all you have to do. Yeah. I, I think she probably does. <laughs> <laughs> she Yeah. She's worked with you a long time. Yeah. She's it's been 10 years. So I think she's like, yeah. Yeah. I probably caused Mandy some anxiety. She could probably use the book. <laughs> it's an excellent book. I can't say that enough. I really enjoyed it. I... I gleaned lots of little tidbits from it. I'm I have people that I can't wait to buy the book, the book book, the physical book and give it to them because I know it's going to help a lot of people and I love once again that you did it. One of the things you do so well and I love that you're embracing it. You are a master of the devotional writing and your one day, you know, at a time tidbit. I mean like that is a structure that works so well for you. And I, I appreciate it and I love it and people will really enjoy this book. So thank you for writing it. Thank you. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Awesome. Yeah, Beautiful book. Yeah. If you want to get your copy, just go to timeofgrace.org or click on the link in the episode notes and we will be happy to send it with a gift to the ministry. Yeah, it was 
it it was tough to write it when I finally settled on that because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be like, and I and I couldn't read um, any of the other Time of Grey stuff because I didn't want it to sound like it. I was mm-hmm. afraid, but funny enough, even without reading it, apparently you and I write the same things. Um, <laughs> well, we have a similar topic because mine yeah. was how to trust God even when life hurts. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. coming out a couple months from now. And so it, it's funny how many of the same uh, passages yeah. that we ended up using. And guess what? Your book comes out early, so it's going to look like I copied you. So <laughs> you're all good. You're all good. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, I... I do feel like I have found my niche is the devotion, the practical application. Maybe it's because I don't have long continuous thoughts and the idea of writing chapters terrifies me. Like, but um, you do this well. I mean, do what you do well. I think it's beautiful and I think it's going to help a lot of people. It's going to be a huge benefit. So thank you for doing it. Thank you.